I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you are invited. Yeah! Before we get started, we want to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nation. So that's the studio that I am in. I am on Mi'kmaq territory. Really? Are you? You're like northern? Uh, yeah, I'm in the Laurentians. Yep. I didn't realize it started this uh, this far into Quebec. I yeah. really associate Mi'kmaq with like uh, the Maritimes. That's really interesting. Okay. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. This is actually something I'm going to get into a little bit today because we have a little bit of a special episode today. So we encourage you, if you're a settler, to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. If you're indigenous to your land and like are in a place where your indigenous land rights aren't challenged, maybe take some time to like think about what that means to you. Like if you're a, a British person living in England or, you know, I don't know. I think we have some Spanish listeners. That's what the stats tell me anyhow. So this week, I'm super excited about this week. I sort of made this week happen, but we're wrapping up our witch series by spending some time talking about witches and what they mean, like like how witches became a thing and what we mean when we talk about witches. So this is coming out on uh, October 27th. That's almost Halloween. If you have Halloween plans, I hope they are safe and I hope you have figured them out and I hope you're excited about Halloween on a full moon on a Saturday. Can I say though, I'm having like zenial issues right now as someone who straddles gen x and and millennials i have spent my entire life being told not to wear a mask at halloween how's that supposed to work this week there you go that was my covid tidbit boom my kid is being a ninja so that's pretty cool we don't have to or a box her backup costume she told me this morning is that she will be a box so she can sit on the doorstep and then when someone opens the door she can jump out um, i love your kid so much she's she's she's, she's unique <laughs> i love her too absolutely I love the idea of being a box. She just box came up with surprises. this this morning. Earlier, she was going to be a ghost. And then on the way to school, she's like, no, I'm going to be a box. <laughs> One year, she spent the entire year telling me she wanted to be a spooky sandwich. And then she changed her mind at the last minute and was that frigging class trader Chase from Paw Patrol. I was so upset. Okay. So anyway. I see, I see that there's some trauma. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cop. She had to choose the cop. I know nothing about them. It's their dogs, and uh, they do stuff. I don't know. The town is so poorly run that a 10-year-old and his dogs take care of, like, the the fires and crimes. Where are the adults? I keep saying well, this. Where are the grown-ups? There's a mayor who has a pet chicken, and usually she's just calling the Paw Patrol to save her pet chicken. But she is not. You would like mayor. You would like mayor a good way, I think. And there's another mayor who's the bad mayor. 
who goes around trying to steal the town. I don't know. It, it's a whole thing. It's Canadian, though. So witches. When did, I mean, I know you grew up in Massachusetts. So, you know, in, in the center of witchcraft in North America. Well, colonized witchcraft. Let's, let's, let's name it that We're way. We're going to talk uh, about um, that later. <laughs> Heck yes, we are. When did you uh, when did you first get uh, witchy vibes? Huh. Nobody's ever asked me this. And I'm finding it a very complex and personal question. Not personal in a like private way. Just just like this is interesting. Mm -hmm. So before I grew up in Massachusetts, I lived in rural Ontario outside of Ottawa. And that was really where my country kid upbringing was. I lived in the middle of nowhere. I mean, our closest neighbor was like maybe a kilometer, half a kilometer away. Our piece of land was fairly small. It was an anchor, but we backed up on woods that we were like allowed to play in. So I spent a lot of time exploring nature, communing with nature. We weren't allowed to watch TV. My parents were big hippies. And um, so I just spent tons and tons and tons outside of time outside. So I would say... From the perspective of myself as a practicing witch now, uh, witchy vibes have been with me my whole life. And a lot of the way my sort of early spirituality expressed itself, although I used a lot of the words around Christianity, was definitely closer to a green witch approach to things. And I'm going to talk about the word witch also. Um, because I think there's a lot more to that word than just the way we use it. And I did a little dive into etymology. Definitely moving to Boston. Definitely like going to Salem, learning about the Salem witch trials. So I went to school in grade five for the first time and uh, mm. and learned about the Salem witch trials. Really like I because I'd read uh, Witch of Blackbird Pond, which we read last year. So I had an understanding of it. But that was kind of it's interesting. It's it's. This story, and especially because I was raised in a very Protestant community, the Puritans were the good guys in my upbringing, which I think is kind of unique. Uh, it certainly was different from what I was taught in school. And um, there was definitely something kind of alluring and countercultural about identifying with the witches. But honestly, and I swear I did not plan this, honestly, I think YA lit is what radicalized me into witchiness wow and i've never thought about that and i have not made that connection but thinking back to like witch of blackbird pond reading it and being super drawn to the way hannah lives and like hannah she's not even a witch right she's a quaker which we'll also get into that later i read a lot of books and some of them were about witches a lot of them were historical fiction and it just kind of went from there I mean, I only started thinking about witchiness in a personal spiritual practice way a couple of years ago, really. I would say I was already practicing and just didn't kind of have the words for it yet. But I, I didn't start doing it deliberately until a couple of years ago. But that's fun. Thank you. I, I'm sure you didn't expect me to have this whole thing. But that really like that really just was a great question. Thank you. I feel very seen. Oh. 
<laughs> good. I know, I know how excited you were about this yeah. week's episode. And uh, I do want to shout out Julie Santini, who was uh, supposed to be our guest, but who unfortunately uh, got caught up in work, yeah. uh, who is my other uh, resident witch uh, friend, scholarly witch friend. I don't I don't know what the appropriate terminology is here. But yeah, shout out to her for, 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 yeah. for helping out. And we had some good chats about this. Well, I would love to talk to her sometime, even though she couldn't make it tonight. So, I did so Tell much research. Me. I, did, I did so much research. And in and, true yeah podcast form, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to drop my sources in the show notes because I, I think I need to, given the amount that I read and drew from. A lot of this is not stuff I knew. So I'm not a scholar of witchcraft. <laughs> I am not a historian. I briefly studied anthropology in university. Point being, I am very much a lay person coming to this out of passion and hobby. So take everything I say not as a peer-reviewed article, but as so somebody like, uh, reading articles on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> So like a, 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 a homemade witch spurt, which, yeah. Uh, sure. yeah, yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, so yeah. when I was approaching this, I was going, okay, I'm not a historian. What am, what is something I'm actually pretty good at? And so I approached it first from the angle of etymology. I said, I want to know when the word witch developed and when we started using the word witch, because that tells you a lot about when something developed. So looking just on Wikipedia, the etymology, the word witch, as language goes, to mean a woman or person who practices magic and, you know, has whatever other elements that go along with that, is fairly recent as language goes. It We see it develop Ooh. really around the 14-1500s. Damn it, I think I closed that page. Uh, but from, from the word Wicca, um, which is not the religion Wicca, which developed in the 1960s, but is... What? Yeah. Hold the phone. 1960s? Yeah. The craft had me believing that that shit was like millennia old. I mean, so it is and it isn't. And this is what I find really, really interesting when we look at witchcraft and its history and the history of like the term witch and what we think of because most of us think of wicca like we use pagan and wicca as interchangeable terms we use witch and wicca as interchangeable terms mm. this is something bailey and i talked about last week because i don't practice wicca wicca is an organized religion developed from highly disorganized traditions or not highly disorganized, but just a bunch of different traditions, right? It's a mishmash. And somebody in the 1960s said, I think we need to organize this mishmash to be a religion with kind of priestesses and orders and all of that. I didn't specifically research Wicca because I was just going to say I don't know that much about Wicca. All I know is that it developed in the 1960s. Oh, no, 1954 by Gerald Gardner. So just kind cool. of, you know, that English urge towards organizing things. <laughs> uh, can you imagine the great British witch off? I can. I'm excited for it. I, I also want Paul Hollywood to be there. Caddy, I would believe that he's a witch. 
Caddy, I was genuinely just thinking, I wonder how long until there are witch-offs. I wonder how long until the cultural concept of witchcraft and the cultural concept of the competition reality TV show collide. Okay, but a thought just <laughs> popped into my head. Yeah. What if a witch-off was actually just a game of magic cards? Because that like, kind of what it feels like it would be. Like, I don't think that people will be like, hey, let me twirl this stick and, like, recite things that matter to me spiritually more intensely than you i don't know about louder doesn't seem like that makes sense so i'm just picturing people being like i cast a spell uh, protection and uh, it just uh, magic magic the card game there magic the gathering we're doing it i uh, sure i was okay i'm glad you clarified magic the gathering because i was gonna ask do you mean magic the gathering or like tarot um, I was thinking because this is the kind of shit I do I was thinking like herbal shit like potions and poultices and like oh this tea has all the herbs <laughs> that vibrate at the correct vibrancies but does it taste good and you know what you put in some rose hip and I really think that made the difference <laughs> Fair. Okay, okay, but maybe let's bring it back to what is witchcraft then? What do we consider yes. witchcraft? And what is historically which is there like sociology of witchcraft? I feel like that would be my jam. Um but yeah. So I'm gonna do my whole spiel now because okay. I think do it. what do we mean when we say witch is a actually enormous question with huge like historical roots. Mm -hmm. The quick version is that witch means other, really. Now, it doesn't literally mean other, but the way it was used when it emerged in the 1400s 1500s was largely um, the church using it to control people. And the church saying, okay, we are Christians, and, and one of the really common groupings is witches, heretics, and Jews. Wow. Incidentally, uh, there's a whole conversation right now around anti-Semitism and the adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Witches, which is an intensely anti-Semitic book by an intensely anti-Semitic man. And uh, there's a lot of really good discourse right now uh, about how those play out if you are interested in looking at it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So the concept before 141500, it's not that the concept of a witch was not there. Um, it's just the word witch was not really used yet. Mediums, augurs, soothsayers, fortune tellers, these have existed as long as people have existed throughout history, cross-culturally. People trying to speak to the dead, people predicting the future. This is as old as humanity. And I would say very broadly is often what we mean when we refer to magic. Interestingly, it used to be less referred to as magic and more just kind of how things went. And, you know, in a lot of cultures, hmm. the people who we would call like witch doctors or something are just the local religious authority <laughs> or practitioners and the local healers. So this othering concept really comes in with the push of Christianity. For a long time in the early roots of Christianity, well, as Christianity spreads across uh, Europe and Asia, it kind of just picks up the local traditions and folds them in really seamlessly. So uh, you see this a lot. This is something I found fascinating kind of as I read pagan texts, um, Catholic saints crop up. And I'll just be like, what is the saint doing? <laughs> but they just... Um, 
kind of renamed them. And so it would be, you'd come to this, this country and be like, oh, okay, you worship Bridget here. Well, actually, you know what? Funny thing. She's not the goddess bride. She's Saint Bridget. And Jesus gave her her powers. And then the people aren't like, oh, you're telling me not to worship my God, so I don't want to do this. They're like, oh, okay, I guess if she's in the party, if she's cool with Jesus, I can get cool with Jesus. This also... This kind of folding in of traditions with Christianity uh, was not always quite that nice. Um, you have Augustine. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. That is the understatement of the day. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the, the wild people who thought up the Crusades, they mean. Yes, they are. Yeah. So that which okay. is the next point I was going to make. St. Augustine of Hippo, who is maybe one of my least favorite people historically, and I just made a lot of people mad, probably not people who listen to this show. Augustine taught that other gods, uh, rather than being saints who had their powers from God, were in fact demons, and people who worshipped these gods were therefore demon worshippers and evil and, you know, should be killed. This perspective remains today in certain Protestant sects. Uh, this idea that anybody who is not Christian and the right kind of Christian is demonic, satanic, pagan, heathen. Time out. I have a question. Yes. I'm sorry. You're never going to get through all this. I have questions. That's okay. I like your questions. Okay, cool. Thanks. The, this makes me think of folks who are not cool with fantasy yep. um there was there's been like huge movements of like is this tied into that like people who are like oh harry potter is evil um because they do magic or uh you know yeah uh, alice in wonderland terrible because things don't really do that yes tied in in a big way yeah the idea that anything that is not explainable by in in the context of your religion if it's not explainable in the context of this faith system whether that's catholicism or protestantism i don't know if this happens elsewhere uh it's it's therefore from satan that is a whole other discussion which maybe we'll get into in december when we talk about faith and spirituality a little yes yeah, so this idea that anything that is not of god directly is evil and of god meaning of you know augustine's interpretation of god um this is something that persists into the protestant reformation in a really big way and this is i think the most interesting point that i came across in my research so the witch hunts in europe um which carried over into the witch hunts in salem and in north america were directly linked to the protestant reformation Ooh. from 900 AD to uh, or BCE <laughs> to 1400 roughly the Catholic Church's official stance on witchcraft was that it didn't exist so there wasn't any point in prosecuting witches because witchcraft is is bunk it's basically the Catholic Church's position on witchcraft now um, yeah. is just no witches yeah. are witches are just making tea and think that they have power then the Protestant Reformation happened and suddenly there's competition for butts in pews at church. And mm. so anti-witchcraft sentiment grew much more in the Protestant church than in the Catholic church. But the really? Spanish, yeah. But the Spanish Inquisition did persecute witches as well. They were just more interested in persecuting Protestants and Jews. 
Um, and <laughs> basically Jesus then Christ. the Protestants were kind of like, well, I mean, they're like killing and torturing people. We'd like to get in on this. That's my personal interpretation. The more scholarly interpretation <laughs> is that uh, suddenly there was competition in the Christian world and the Protestants wanted to get people and the Catholics wanted to get people. And one of the ways that you draw people to your church is by saying there's a threat and we're the only ones who can protect you from it. So the Protestants kind of can go, well, the Catholic church is going after us, but we, we know that the real threat is witches and we are going to protect you from witches. Which brings us back to the fact that, that religion invented marketing. Holy moly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, wow conveniently or perhaps by design what does witchcraft sometimes look a lot like hmm catholicism you know bridget's hanging out in the catholic church and also hanging out in the pagan altars but you know we don't follow saints and the catholics have a bunch of women living together and channeling oh. jesus's love and like doing things but we don't have nuns. And uh, the Catholic Church has fancy robes and burns incense and has incantations and has fancy altars. And we don't have any of that witchy shit. So, uh, and I mean, I say this, the church that I grew up in is a direct descendant of the Scottish Covenanters, who were the Protestant Reformation in Scotland. And a okay. lot of this, it's a fascinating sect because a lot of these ideas and attitudes have been preserved for centuries in this Ooh. little sect. Um, so a lot of this is stuff that I grew up really being taught. So you have this kind of othered category. And when you move over to North America and you have the Puritan witch hunts, so in Europe, the witch hunts exact it lasted exactly as long as the religious wars happened lasted yes after the peace of westphalia which ended the 30 years war which ended a lot of the religious conflict in europe the witch hunts vanished so they really appeared in europe Ooh. lasted exactly as long as the catholics and protestants were fighting and then as soon as the catholics and protestants found a way to make nice they stopped killing people in north america similarly the Puritan witch hunts really cropped up around the same time as sects like the Quakers and the Anabaptists were, were cropping up and saying, you know what, I think there's a different way to be Protestant. And often these sects, as we saw in Witch of Blackbird Pond with Quakers, were much more, I don't know, quote unquote liberal, more inclusive theology. Women can, you know, provide value <laughs> and things like that. So we really see Thank witch you. hunts cropping up where a specific kind of religious power is challenged um and it's a show of force and it's a show of force that only hurts people who are considered disposable like women and jews and and people of color All the others which yeah, is okay. let's just name the others another another part of this and this is something i looked so hard for research <laughs> on this and i couldn't find as much as i wanted and i desperately want to read more about this but in the salem witch hunts a central figure in the salem witch hunts is tichiba who is unfortunately <laughs> When I tried to look her up, everything I found was like Salem's slave, the story of, and it's just so 
awful and such an awful way to talk about this woman that I did not want to use these texts. Now, I found one text that actually had researched her life. She is often recorded, and if you've seen The Crucible, you see her as an African enslaved woman. She was, in fact, from South America, uh, an indigenous woman from South America, but because she was first in servitude in Barbados and then came to New England from Barbados, there was kind of an assumption that she would be African because Bar- Barbados was a big hub of the African slave trade. Why? why? <laughs> is it because is it because being of African descent makes you treated worse or something? Or like, what? I mean, I think possibly part of it also is because anybody who was brown, they were just kind of like, I'm hey, African. Um, Fair. So, uh, but if you look back at, at older texts, more contemporary um, to her actual life, she is often referred to as uh, the Indian um, with a Y. It's real great. Hmm. But she came to New England as an adult. She she was a woman who had, you know, spent her childhood in her homeland and, and practiced her own faith and her own spirituality and her own medicine. And when the witch hunt started in Salem, she actually was not killed for witchcraft. She was imprisoned for a while and someone paid her bail and she she escaped, I believe, to Canada, moved to Canada, moved somewhere else and kind of started over. And there's not much record of what she did afterwards. Um, And a large part of the Salem witch trials were her confessions, which are fascinating. She, after a little bit of time, took, I I mean, I think really tried to save the children who were on trial in Salem and tried to to draw the blame onto herself. Um, And that story is not told that often. Uh, She's often made into kind of a caricature. She's made into... You know, maybe she was a witch or maybe she just went crazy or what was she doing? But I I think when you read her testimony, it's very clear that she is going, okay, I'm the adult in this situation and I know how to work this system because she did. She got released. She got through it alive. And I, I really want to see more scholarship about her because... It's very clear that she was an extremely astute, extremely generous and compassionate woman who risked her life to try and save some young women who were being stupid and putting themselves in harm's way. That's super interesting. That's that's really interesting. And it's it's funny because when I was when I was a teen, um, there was uh, a very popular French book called Moi Tituba Sorcière de Salem, so I Tituba uh, Salem Witch, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, by Marie Scondé, who's uh, from Martinique or Guadeloupe. She is from Guadeloupe or Martinique. I don't know. I just did a very quick look-see. But she was awesome. And that book was so popular okay. when I was in high school. Like It was like everybody was on it right but it was also the late 90s the craft had come out not long before and stuff like that so that made people really into it but I remember how everyone was like all over this book and the fact that she was uh portrayed as an enslaved woman is what made me never jump into that book because I can't handle torture porn I can't do it especially when the characters look like me but hearing you say this makes me want to go back and read it like I mean obviously this is a book about a black woman written by a black woman or like a black indigenous uh, or South American woman Uh, but 
it's really interesting and and i like this perspective mm-hmm. there's also the fact that my my you know uh the, the the queer the queer in me is real like hmm great so uh, othering uh right because that's where the terminology of being queer comes from it's it's being different it's being is not being the norm it's like a following of which like the the term which uh it's once again just another way of dividing between those who submit and those who maybe not submit well yeah i'm gonna say submit i'm gonna own that term those who submit to the a patriarchal uh, order of society and who follow the rules yeah and then what i from what you're saying from from books i've read from films from from all of it i also get this fact that like is it me or is it that anyone who didn't own a penis and refuse to just do as they're told fall into the category of what a witch is you know what i mean well when we're talking about the the puritan witch hunts in in new england that's exactly right that's exactly correct it's it's a little less it was only a very little less gendered in europe it was still absolutely like primarily women who were being killed and um but in Puritan New England, all of the patriarchy just kind of got concentrated. And when you read Martin Luther, John Calvin, um, Farrell, uh, uh, the reformers from Europe, they really, really believe in women submitting and women not having power and uh i mean like you see when the when they're persecuting quakers it's because in large part quakers are saying no women are of of value and contain the divine spark i really dig quakers (laughs) um so it's i mean i don't think that's an exaggeration i don't think you're going too far i and i i mean i'm not an expert on the history of witches i do know a lot about Puritan history um, and I, I think you're absolutely correct on that women are supposed okay. to be in the home they're supposed to have babies they're supposed to there's the umbrella model uh, which I don't think was used in the 15-1600s but is, is used today God now for our Patreon supporters they can see me doing this with my hands God is over husband is the littler umbrella <laughs> under the big big god umbrella is over wife which is the little umbrella under the father umbrella under the the daddy umbrella big and then is over the children do 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 baby shark <laughs> patriarch do 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 patriarch um so so there really is this idea that there's a god given order a god mandated order and if you are challenging that order at all you're othered right and what did Augustine teach us? That if you are other, you are of Satan. And that's really the logic progression. So angry men made people witches. Now, uh, please, Teffer, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, you are my uh, linguistic uh, inclined friend, what is the male of witch? Is it wizard? Is so, it warlock? This is part of the history. That is fascinating okay. and also, again, very telling. The linguistic history tells us so much about mm. history. Which, initially, 
men, both women and men, who okay. practice magic. And then as witch hunts progressed and stuff progressed, they started having words like warlock and wizard for men. But there isn't really an exact word. There isn't really an exact word for witch that is gendered male because men don't fit the category of otherness that witch encompasses. So men were tried as witches. They were often quote unquote effeminate men, and we know what that means. And the old, old history of persecuting gay men by calling them women, <laughs> um, which goes back so far in human history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or forcing them or forcing them to live in a different gender, as, like to, yeah, in order yeah. to maintain a certain, yeah, hoo -ha, yeah. yeah. So I think the thing that I find the most fascinating um, and I, I will definitely source the article that said, like, which is a category of otherness, because I was just like, Pow! I've done enough social sciences that I get really excited by self and other <laughs> distinctions. Um, but seeing that which is a category of othering just like really got the wheels going for me because we learn so much about a society, a culture, an ideology by what they other. When what they're othering is the witch, who is usually a single woman, uh, a woman who lives alone, who handles her own fate and destiny, a woman who can channel the power of nature, a woman who can harness the elements, mm -hmm. a woman who can resist illness or bring on illness, and a woman who does not fear God. That's what you That sounds other. like a woman I want to date. Yeah! That sounds like... That sounds like the person I want to... It sounds like the person I am dating a little oh. bit, but... But, okay. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> um, but but it's funny because that description is, is you know, it's who I want to be. It's it's who I want to surround myself with. And that's really interesting. Yeah. Because we, the modern uh, emancipated uh, femme figure is now, like, basically a witch. Well, and that <laughs> she that... can harness the nature through yoga, and then like she can she she's responsible. She can do everything. She can do it all. She can have it all. And then you see this model of the 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 quote unquote contemporary woman, you know, being persecuted. And now we have with like the incel movement mm -hmm. and folks who, you know, are are upset that women aren't are are, are culturally and socially allowed to to not be held down and i use women sparsely i really mean like trans feminine uh, non-binary femme identifying like you name it people in but this othered category <laughs> yeah. people in the othered category and yeah. people who feel like that applies to them mm -hmm. uh, uh, that to me is, is is just important but but yeah so it's like as soon as you don't uh, accept to bend like to bend the spine like to just be constantly in service of as opposed to serving yourself mm -hmm. that's I like it I guess uh, burn me at the stake let's go woo 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 I'm joining the witch clan I think very specifically I wanted to talk about this because witches are having a moment in a big way culturally and yes. it's 
I mean, there is like <laughs> witch discourse. Like, like not only are witches having a moment, but witches are really talking about like, what does it mean to be a witch? Like, like, what does it mean to practice magic responsibly? What does it mean to know our roots? And I, we didn't, I didn't talk about this as much as I wanted to, but a, a huge part of this also is indigenous medicine and indigenous knowledge that gets folded into this idea of witchiness that is very like the witch now the modern witch is white you know she's like like a lot of what people say it's it's a kind of a white uh, cis woman who dabbles in in her stuff and um it's very important to be sure that when we're looking at what's empowering for us in the witch myth we're being very careful to remember like who it's from and who it's for historically and where it comes from. I had a wonderful reminder this week. I had just a fantastic experience um, this week where at work we had a workshop. There was a workshop that was open to the staff um, by, it was organized through the First People's House and it was a woman from Ganoage teaching about local uh plants and vegetables and medicines and food and it was wonderful it was so informative and so cool and also so good for me to recognize so many of the plants that I work with and like use as herbs are indigenous to this land they're not indigenous to Europe so I spend a lot of time trying to connect with my own roots and Mm. and my own historic like my ancestors in my practice that's one of the ways that I work on kind of decolonizing my practice but I live here what's what's available to me is what grows here and um to just remember and and remember with humility that a lot of what I work with it's not when I see that like we're the descendants of the witches you couldn't burn I'm kind of just like sure but that's not where the white sage you're smudging with comes from and that's not where smudging comes from and that's not where palo santo comes from and um shots fired (laughs) it's just i mean really just like the idea that this kind of white witch figure is also tied to smudging makes no sense smudging is an indigenous practice in north america smoke cleansing sure exists elsewhere but not the same way you don't really have smudge sticks you have bowls of herbal incense like it it looks very different so I'm very I didn't even realize I was going to go on this rant honestly but but I just do very easily um it's so important when we're considering othering that we remember who we might be othering like those of us with power and now I'm speaking as a white person but like if I say I am witch and witch is me what is that saying what is that saying to you what is that saying to to the people who have lived here for millennia and from whom I have learned so much of what I'm doing I love that that concludes that yeah but I love having witches in young adult lit and and I love it for that reason and I love that we had witch books that were diverse ethnically and diverse globally this month yeah uh-huh. yeah I like that too I think there's one like because there's an interesting return happening in like stories black authors are feeling more comfortable setting them in Africa and all that there is also that you know elements of that that's coming out uh, I'm finding in some of the books like uh, that we've read in very recent past like I mean uh, anything by Tomi Ariemi or you know that that stuff is that's 
there's no messing around there. That's some big research into 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 you know the African side of uh, West African. I have to name a uh, side of 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 witchcraft and even then it's really anchored in like nigerian and ghanaian traditions and there is so much more to explore a lot of it is taboo because of colonialism obviously um when the white people came they said mm, you can't do that and people said hey uh, we're going to do it covertly because don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, uh, because of religion, politics, and all kinds of reasons, uh, these are practices that are othered. And, and that's quite particular, right? And I wonder how it is in... Like uh, like I said earlier, uh, I came deeply unprepared for today's episode, but um, there is something really interesting about kind of wondering if we shift our gaze outside of the traditional image of the witch like even even if we just like forget culture right my favorite witch my favorite pop culture witch ursula uh from the little mermaid the sea witch what's I kind not of aspire exactly i kind of aspire to be her i've got the little like the, the hair is going in that direction peep me coming out in like this very very body hugging uh black dress at some point um i need, I but, need you to do that <laughs> thank you um but ursula is incredible because yeah. she is the figure of feminine power in in the little mermaid because she's more robust and able to sort of harness that energy she's yeah she's basically a spinster i mean and i say that with a lot of affection mm -hmm. you know she's the un like uh, not well loved character mm -hmm. like clearly no one has like held her hand once um but it's interesting because she works for herself and when i think about like my favorite pop culture witch and i go like hmm if we had a wicked journey for her what would that look like you know like when she was a baby uh half octopus half human little nugget floating around the seas you know like was there an option or is it simply that this woman was battered down into like turning into someone who is vengeful because that is the only way to survive all right that's the end of that thought. and i'm, I'm honestly that. i mean i think there's an <laughs> argument to be made that she taught ariel a valuable lesson or tried to teach ariel a valuable lesson and sure you can go after the guy but it's gonna cost you your voice and like mm. don't we all need to learn that lesson <laughs> at some point you know <sighs> Or even okay, okay. I'm going for another move, another Disney movie. I'm doing it, Moana. I'm gonna cry. You just said that, and I'm gonna cry. Right, Tefiti, who is this beautiful, you know, goddess, but once her heart is stolen, she turns into this <laughs> raging, fire slinging piece of work, piece of work. But she is still approachable and there's still something very gentle and maybe it's vulnerability also that creates otherness and and that could be an interesting angle from which to look at things. So I'm literally tearing up because I can't think about that scene without crying. Like I can't watch that scene without crying. I can't think about that scene without crying. Because like... <laughs> 
Because the big change in Tufiti comes when Moana says, I know why you're hurting. I know why you're doing this. I understand that you are hurt and trying to protect yourself. And I know what you need to feel secure. Mm. And like, first of all, just what a powerful scene. It's such a powerful scene. Second it's of incredible. All, the music is wild. Ugh. Perfect. Um, and I actually know quite, I have quite a few acquaintances and friends who came out of restrictive religious upbringings who also cannot see that scene without crying because it speaks to something very deep. I love that it's in a children's movie because like and my 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 baby who is almost two is starting to go through the whole toddler thing of just Mm. discovering boundaries and pushing boundaries because he's learning where they are and that is how I try to approach every tantrum I don't always approach tantrums that way but that is how I try to approach a child in meltdown and I love that it's modeled in this movie that is for children I love that it's showing children not just this is how you can approach somebody who's feeling this way, but also do you sometimes feel like Tika? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's okay for you to feel that way. It's okay for you to be lashing out and trying to protect yourself. And it's okay to feel like that until somebody figures out what you're missing. That's lovely. That's going to make me cry. <laughs> it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Oh, it's so good. I love that. I'm, we, oh, thank you for bringing that up. No, oh, I'm happy to do it. What about, uh, but it makes me think of like something, I don't know if, if in your research, uh, what came out on this, but thinking of, you know, Teka becoming Tefiti again. It also makes me think of, um, I don't know if you've seen Kiriku, uh, mm-hmm. which is like the greatest African cartoon. Uh, it was about this teeny tiny little boy who is naked and runs around and he's very strong. And he's very fast and he's awesome. Uh, and he fights this uh, evil witch. Uh, and basically the witch like it's kind of like Tefiti and Tika, um, you know, uh, has something in her spine that needs to be removed. And once it's because she is a witch, because she is in pain, she's there's it literally is that. So is there, did you come across anything about the redemption of witches and sort of what, you know, like the the humanization of witches, I guess. It's like their redemption, but it's more about their finding their place and being able to generally continue doing what they do for good. I didn't look at that specifically. Okay. And I, I think it's an interesting aspect, but I also think that the cultural concept of the witch as evil and dangerous is so problematic and is, is really rooted in... Uh, smear campaigns, which is something I, I didn't talk about, but I mean, are there historically people who wield magic for evil? Absolutely. And and it's a very interesting story in pop culture that it is not something I looked into is the short answer to your question. Yeah, that's cool. But a really interesting thing um, that comes up a lot and that certainly came up in the witch hunts in Europe is witches as cannibals and especially witches as people who murder babies and there's some some really gross stuff around that that i'm not gonna get into because i don't think anybody necessarily needs to know the details of that 
But I find it very interesting that there's this long history of othering women by saying that they kill babies. And I think that's especially interesting given the fairly recent conservative platform of anti-abortion and saying liberals, liberal people are evil because they kill babies. That's a very old argument. It's a very Mm. old smear campaign. And I found that fascinating. That kind of what do we do when we want to paint someone as completely irredeemable? Oh, they killed a baby. And like, we get it because nobody, but it really is, um, it, it's, it's made up. There's a whole book called like Malus Maleficisorum or something because the old word that was used for riches was like Malefica, like, like evildoer, evildoer. Yeah. yeah, like Maleficent. <sighs> anyway, so that's more, yes, I was getting very much on my no witches are just smeared and not actually evil. And I didn't consider the myth of the actually evil witch. One more thing that I found very interesting, because we've talked about witches as being tied to the elements and tied to the land, which is a very, Mm -hmm. certainly a strong push. The European witch hunt occurred during a mini ice age. There was a lot of weird climate stuff going on. People's crops were failing. There were plagues of various vermin who were thriving in the cooler weather. And Winter had arrived. Yeah. (laughs) And I find that very interesting, considering that we are currently in an environmental crisis and people are talking about witchcraft again but in a different way and talking about folklore but in a different way and i i just i just thought that was a really interesting parallel maybe uh maybe greta whose last name i always forget and mispronounce uh but I think we can just call her Greta. She's everybody's mm-hmm. friend. I walked with her last time. Greta is the perfect portrayal of that because she's been demonized by a lot of by a lot of uh, contemporary um, politicians that I will not name. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it's also why I get very angry when I see white men in power trying to claim the term witch hunt for their criticism. Fair. I thought you could have just ended uh, that that sentence you know yeah halfway (laughs) so wow well you know what caddy you said you were unprepared but you could have fooled me thank you so much this was a really fun conversation i'm super excited yeah oh sorry i'm super excited to release the video to our patrons so if you're not our patron and you want to see us have this conversation in person gestures and all um you can head to patreon.com slash yeah podcast and or is it the yeah podcast that'll be in the end notes and uh you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get this video woo woo please uh please please patron us uh and you know for more than a dollar a month because we cute yeah i even put on lipstick we both put on lipstick but mine is all gone (laughs) <laughs> all right let's uh let's outro this but uh let's also be honest and say we could talk about this for hours because this is actually quite interesting and it's not like we didn't even talk about like witchcraft like below the equator we didn't go into like you know the the cool intersections of magic and faith around the world and i think i think this is uh this is pretty cool we may have to revisit witches next year listen if we We currently have eight patrons. I'm going to say if by the end of 2020, we double that. If by the end of 2020, we have 16 patrons at any level, just 16 of you, we'll do a whole series where we just talk about this shit. 
So cool. Cool. So if you want to make that happen, head to patreon.com slash yeah podcast and sign up. Tell your witchy friends. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast. And individually, I'm at catty double underscore D. And I'm at Tefferbear. And I am also recently on TikTok at Tefferbear. And I have a Serving video. all kinds of goodness. I have a video that has 16 and a half thousand views. That video's good, Teffer. I really enjoyed it. It made me cackle. <laughs> so that's really exciting. So follow me on TikTok if you're on TikTok. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. And you can also make us talk more about witches. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stitchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Matt Dever, Megan Jane, and Emily Patton. The guys who are seeing our beautiful faces right now. Mwah. We love you guys. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from uh, the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, uh, especially if you share it by social media. Actually, social media engagement is something I'm really trying to encourage right now. So if you see our posts on social media, especially on Instagram, please like, share, save. Uh, it's it's a really easy way to support content creators. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tepper Adrenian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. We have a new show on the network, so be sure to head to upfordnetwork.com and check out all the other shows. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is... I'm Fish With Legs. I'm a fish I'm with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish With Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish With Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Fun for adults and kids. <sighs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. I'm Tom Zalatni, executive producer of the Upford Network and host and producer of Up for Discussion, a podcast about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. But wait, isn't Up for Discussion a comedy podcast? It sure was, but things change. It's a food show now, and it's a very, very good food show. Every week, I dig into a different ingredient, dish, meal, or cuisine with help from friends and guest experts who know way more about this stuff than I do. Do you like food? Of course you do. You're a person. So you will like this show. Go listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Up for discussion. It's a food podcast now.
brought to you by the Upford Network. Yeah.